Hello and welcome along to the New Zealand Digital Podcast. This is Paul Spain. This podcast is an offshoot of the New Zealand Tech Podcast and is focused on the broader digital space here in New Zealand, discussing digital marketing, media, online, social media, branding, advertising, film and TV software, and digital entrepreneurship. So we're fairly broad uh, in our scope of, of what we see digital as being. Now, our first episodes are going to be distributed to all uh, New Zealand Tech Podcast subscribers. Uh, further episodes will be distributed specifically to those who have subscribed to the New Zealand Digital Podcast via iTunes uh, or, or other podcast uh, listening mechanisms. The podcast is free, and we're very appreciative of our supporters, uh, Guerrilla Technology and Social Media NZ. So thanks for joining us. Let's jump into episode one of the New Zealand Digital Podcast. So thanks very much for joining us. I'm Paul Spain. I'm here with John Lai and Derek Handley, who's uh, today has been launching uh, Snack Media on the NZX. So uh, let's jump in. To start with on this episode, we're going to be talking a little bit around uh, the place of mobile within the, within the digital world. Now, this is an area that's been growing, uh, growing pretty rapidly, and we've seen uh, we've seen the stats really uh, moving along quite quickly. I guess, uh, Derek, with with Snack Media, you're pretty au fait with what the numbers are and uh, and how quickly the world is moving to uh, to using mobile, particularly for accessing uh, web content. What are the what are the sort of the key numbers that are that are standing out for you? Actually, I'm not such you know, not so aware of all the different numbers in all the different markets. Um, I think the underlying premise is that uh, you know the transition to smartphone has passed that kind of milestone of you know the tipping point and passed into the into the majority. And you know when we were spending a lot of the earlier years of last decade building the hyperfactory, it was very 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 early in terms of people even understanding how to use their phones this way. So now I think in the next couple of years every phone is going to be a smartphone, and that just changes the way the landscape is. Then there's the sheer number which comes out of uh, you know how many people actually have a device, and so in Australia, for example, seven million more mobile devices than there are people, and that's probably because people are going to have multiple, and with the tablets, maybe people are counting them as mobile devices, and there's just going to continue to increase. And the, the whole thing that, to be honest, I never kind of even knew or thought about, I'm not sure how many people did, was what the tablet was going to do to the to the world, and you know every analyst under predicted the iPad by a huge number. And every other major manufacturer never really thought that it'd be a winner. So tablets has just changed the game for all kind of companies like Snack and also for marketers because although it looks like a miniature computer, it's exactly the same issue as we have with mobiles. It's a new type of screen. It's got touchscreen uh, abilities. And it's now also revolutionizing in kiosks, point of sales, and all those kind of things. So to have all the stats on hand of all these things would be quite difficult, but I think we all know we're on the cusp of this real you know mass market change in the way people do things great yeah i think some numbers i saw recently were talking about there being uh you know well over a billion uh you know mobiles in the market right now and of course that's that's growing very rapidly uh, you know talking about uh by 2015 uh that number uh reaching sort of you know four four billion and and you know you talked about you know local numbers within uh, you know australia uh, new zealand type markets where there are you know more uh, mobile devices than actually there is population uh so you know we're, we're certainly seeing uh, a lot of tablets come in as well as the the smartphones and the smartphone now market penetration growing very very quickly uh, but as you say with uh, with 
all mobiles in the future actually being smart devices, that really does change the uh, the, the picture of um, you know how people uh, can consume their their content. Um, John, what have you seen with uh, with social media in NZ? Um, you know, I, I guess uh, a lot of a lot of what's going on uh, is around uh, mobiles in the in the social space. What are the things that stand out for you? Thanks, thanks for coming on the show, there, Derek. I think what um, what kind of stand out to us is that last year, by just looking at our stats, we had about ten percent of um, tablet viewing of of our website. Where this year, I checked again, it went up from ten percent to about if the last time I checked correctly is about thirty five, sorry, thirty seven percent, which came from mobile devices. So, which is a huge, huge shift in regards to people kind of using more comfortable using their phones to view website to, you know, to to consume content. So, I think my question to you, Derek, is you see this sort of trend going on and in, in New Zealand, is there any particular company that you see are leveraging these, you know, these, um, these mobile, these, this, this platform to fit the audience? Any one, any, any particular companies that kind of stick out to you? I'm presuming you mean in New Zealand? Yes, in New Zealand, yeah. Um, no, I don't think it's kind of, uh, you know, I don't resonate to say, oh, there's an immediate you know company that, that's that's looking really strong. But I think um, sectors like banking have done a pretty good job of you know providing some interesting tools and services. Uh, and that's probably we've always been ahead in banking in New Zealand, so that's you know not a huge surprise. Um, the media outlets are, I think, now leading the way. You know, you have some good mobile experiences for all the main uh, media outlets. You know, television and and and, and uh, print, and so those kind of uh, organisations you almost expect to try and take the lead, particularly media, which at least is a lot better now than it was, say, a couple, you know, two or three years ago. Um, what's interesting internationally, which I haven't seen much in New Zealand yet, is how the tablets have really become an in-store uh, experience tool to not, I wouldn't say, replace the sales attendance, but they have really uh, provided a fully interactive one-on-one kind of screen that people can distribute throughout their retail environments. And it's almost like bringing digital marketing into the store because it's not really about a catalog or, or those kind of things. It's about having miniature brand experiences. And that's really exciting, and I haven't really seen a lot, a lot of that here. And the other thing that's happening a lot is, um, yeah, tablets just becoming the point-of-sale system which I think any point-of-sale systems company has got to be seriously worried about if they're not already doing it. So your traditional FPOS in New Zealand has always been this little you know, thing that looks like a phone, but it's not. It's got a cable and it attaches to something. Whereas it astounds me how many now retailers overseas are already using tablets as their POS system, and they might have Square plugged into the, to the, to the device as their payment system. And I think nobody would have predicted this, how fast it revolutionized physical commerce using tablet, tablet devices. So those, those are some interesting things. Uh, interesting in regards to the innovation, I think another question I want to kind of quickly, you know, just respond in regards to that is what in your mind do you think, why has New Zealand not, you know, become mobile friendly and not kind of see what what is going around the world and go, hey, how can we start implementing this more? Is there some sort of a barrier? What I suppose the question there is, what sort? Why are some companies in New Zealand 
are, are, are going through this barrier and not being able to implement what's going on around the world? Well, I don't, I don't know, you know, enough about every company in New Zealand to make that kind of generalization. But uh, the on the tablet front, I think the tablets obviously picked up a lot faster where they were born, which was in America, um, where Apple has a much higher share of, 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 of everything. But in terms of traditional mobile form factor, um, you know, the, the everything seems to be picking up a lot faster than it was a couple of years ago. And the, the the main barrier that we had here a few years ago was the understanding of even how to use the mobile internet and the penetration of smartphones. And then the next barrier is the data plans and how clear they are and how much it costs to do things. So once those that, that second barrier is, is reduced, then consumers should start to consume a lot more, which will then convince brands that they should be looking at things a lot closer. And when we would be selling to brands who hadn't yet convinced themselves that they should be doing mobile in other parts of the world, one of the main stats that we asked them to look at was exactly what you were talking about earlier, which is how many mobile requests are you getting on your main .com URL? And then you do a very quick audit to see how many of those kind of functions that are built for the web are actually not usable in a mobile environment. And before it used to be the very easy one to pick was Flash, because you can never run Flash. And then it would be things like complex forms, things that required you to drop down boxes and do difficult things that you wouldn't do on your mobile phone. And then that would convince a brand to understand they actually need to rethink their experience on the uh, mobile. And the tablet will do the same thing, because the tablet are running a lot of websites really slow, because those websites have been built for a web experience and a PC experience. So... So what do you think is the, I mean, we, we see a lot of websites in New Zealand, a lot of businesses that aren't representing themselves, uh, you know, well with a mobile offering, be that, uh, you know, complete lack of an app where, uh, where it's appropriate for their business. But more often what I'm, I'm seeing are, um, you know, sites that are built that aren't responsive in any way. So when they end up on a tablet or a laptop, uh, you know, they don't deliver a particularly useful result like what you're talking about. Uh, is it is it primarily uh, budget, do you think, or uh, is it just that awareness that you know, a lot of people aren't actually sitting down and having these conversations? And I guess, you know, looking at New Zealand, we've got so many small businesses, uh, you know, it's, it's probably much harder in those positions where you've got a small business, you've got an owner who's doing lots and lots of different things. Uh, you know, he doesn't have time necessarily to engage with, with experts who are going to sit down and, and uh, you know, and tell them this stuff. I think if you start with the small businesses and they're building, if they're building simple websites um, or simple web experiences, then there are emerging ways of building sites that can transform and you know fit to different form factors like the responsive or, or adaptive, etc. And so that's remo- re- re- lowering the barriers for the small guys. And it shouldn't, you know, building a new site now, we should be able to do that in a way that goes across devices. Um, but if you're building a really more complex, larger, you know, e-commerce type scenario or deep engagement, um, then, yeah, maybe it's lack of awareness or, or not yet being convinced that it requires the investment to, to, to create more, um, pay more attention to how you might treat these screens slightly differently. So, it, you know, it's always the, the three things, like why would I do this and what, what's the difference to me um, or my customers balanced with how hard is it to do it and to do it well 
um, and you know the cost and the timing of when is the right time to do it. And for, for lots of brands or, or uh, companies that have these issues, they need those data points to convince them. Um, but once you see something like you know going from however many percent to thirty percent are accessing through this device, you can then look forward in one or two years and, and then realize that your web is going to be the minority of your traffic, right? So if everyone sat here and just forecast five years, which I know you know as a brand manager not many would, but if you did that and you reverse engineered that, you'd know that within three or four or five years, n- vast majority of the traffic is going to come from tablets or mobiles, which means that's where your strategy should start not from the web and transporting them. So maybe it takes a bit of vision, but, you know, we all know it's going there, and it's just about having those data points for the people to make those decisions. Yeah, I think that is a really big pivot and and a huge change in thinking, you know, because we're we're used to thinking, you know, web, 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 uh, you know, from a desktop and laptop sort of perspective uh, and and being geared up for the mobile Web, yeah, it usually sits sort of further down the track. So I think, yeah, it's spot on there. Numbers, I guess, is is absolutely the key. And you know, like, you know, there are still organisations who um, maybe aren't seeing the value out of what they have online today. And we've seen organisations that have really pivoted in terms of uh, you know how they utilise uh, you know online. And there's some you know some big examples in New Zealand that you know their whole business has changed for instance here in New Zealand uh, you know we look at the way that they're uh, utilizing digital and us- utilizing the online space you know a, a lot of us will be bypassing our, uh, our our travel agents that we did in the past because it's it's quicker just to uh, you know just to go direct get the job done move away um, and obviously some of their other work around around um, you know social and so on so there are organizations like that that totally get it because they're you know they're transacting day to day but you know, there must be um, you know, a mix, particularly of smaller organisations that aren't doing any transactions online, and it's hard for them to measure um, those results. What would you what would you suggest to those that aren't you know aren't yet uh, maybe able to see sort of a measurable result um, you know from being online? Do you think it's uh, it's more investment, or do you see that there there is a you know a block of businesses who uh, just won't actually get a huge amount of benefit from uh, um, from their online online presence. Yeah, the, the return on you know investment in, in the, the traditional internet is different for different brands, right? So someone like Air New Zealand who can take the whole experience of purchasing into their own domain on the web um, is going to not transform, but radically you know disrupt their old business model and create new products and new services that didn't exist before, which they've done, and also new ways to market. But I'm sure if you sat down and thought about it, you could probably come up with a few businesses where it would be a lot harder to do that and that the internet is tradition- traditionally for them not as useful, and so they would struggle to think about what these other new screens might afford them. But having said that, in a, in a business that maybe is not traditionally, you know, getting a lot of value out of the uh, web, let's let's just say, come up with an example: Starbucks. Like, why would you go to Starbucks's website? I don't, you know, really know. Probably a lot less reasons to than go to Air New Zealand. But just to say that the website strategy hasn't worked for them or isn't huge value to them is not a really good starting point to say, therefore, we shouldn't do mobile or tablet because mobile or tablet could actually be extremely useful to them if they created a whole customer loyalty program, which I'm sure Starbucks is already doing. They're doing a lot, right? They've done stuff with Foursquare and all sorts of organizations to go mobile first, and their digital strategy becomes, well, 
people don't want to go to Starbucks website to find out what the products are, but when they've got something in their phone and it's related to Starbucks, helps them purchase. I think you can actually buy from your phone through their Starbucks app. I just picked them as an example. I didn't actually know if their web strategy is no, no use. But it seems logical that for some businesses, the web might not have worked. It might not have been as impactful, but mobile or tablet might be super impactful. Mm-hmm. And so from a, starting from a point as to whether the web is working for them now or not is probably not you know, the best approach. It's probably just one inf- informing factor. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that's probably a good segue into, uh, into talking a little bit about snack media. So maybe you can give us a little bit of background on... on you know where snacks sort of come from, how it started up, your your involvement, and um, really what the opportunity is for uh, New Zealand organ, you know, ad agencies and, and other organisations to be uh, you know working uh, and partnering with with Snack to uh, to deliver some great results for their customers. So Snack is based on the premise of what we've just been talking about: these explode, exploding you know consumer behaviour on tablets and mobiles, and we call it. You know, other new screens, so whatever screens are coming after that. And the fact that people are spending all their time on these devices through apps and sites, uh, the same people that are now spending less time doing other things, reading papers or you know, magazines or TV, but they're the same people that brands want to reach. So now they need to be reaching them through these screens. Uh, and what Snack does is it does kind of you know, two things. One, it puts uh, technology that enables um, the delivery of rich media or ad units through tablet and mobile experiences, so the apps and the sites, etc., and partners with all those publishers and networks of sites and games and apps uh, that in turn have an audience of you know, millions of users. That's on the one hand. On the other hand, we then go and sell those audiences and slice them and dice them by target and all the other things that we can using the devices to marketers right through the media agencies who are trying to get reach. So Snack is a reach... Uh, proposition with some kind of creative ad unit at the end, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And all our clients are media agencies, but of course they have a creative brief and, you know, you need to have a creative engagement to get someone to respond to an ad and then maybe click through to do whatever it is that they want the the, the customer to do. So it just follows that if that's where the audience is going, then brands need to follow them and and find them and connect with them. And that's what Snack achieves. So Whereas the Hyperfactory was around the development and production of their assets. So it was a production and development agency with a tech, you know, technology platform to build apps, build sites, develop corporate strategy for what a business and a brand should be doing with their e-commerce, their CRM, etc. on mobile. So that's the main difference. Snack is a reach, network, ad delivery kind of play, and Hyperfactory is a production creative agency. So... Brands that want to target these audiences, of which there will be some that are much more prone to you know, waiting because it's not as important to them now, and there are others that mobile works really effectively for, like in America, uh, automotive, the car sector, is hugely effective to, buy, to, 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 to use to drive audiences to consider car purchases. Um, and movies, you know, there are certain categories where mobile advertising is really powerful, much more powerful than the web. Um, and those advertisers are the ones that should be taking notice of the types of things Snack, uh, Snack does. And that's, you know, that's the role that, that, that Snack plays for the media agencies, help them get out there. Now, I mean, in this sort of space, just doing the same as what we've done 
you know, in the past on the web isn't necessarily going to, uh, you know, going to work, just having a, you know, a banner ad up that someone clicks on and, and, and so on. And, you know, often those things aren't particularly effective. Um, can you share with us some of the um, sort of more, more interesting uh, examples that, uh, that Snack's maybe been involved in um, that, you know, that have, that have led to some good outcomes? Yeah, so not I won't go into specifics, but in, in, in general it's it's the ability um, to use the form factor. So you know you can create uh, brand experiences using touch screen, accelerometer, um, you know, you can go straight through to video, different ad units that are unobtrusive when they're presented as banners or whatever they might be presented as, but once you tap them, they put you into a full digital you know, uh, touchscreen inter- interaction experience. And so the richer or the more compelling that is um, and the faster it loads and all these things, uh, they turn a traditional web ad unit into something that's really a lot different. So what we found a lot in mobile units in terms of ad, ad units is that actually the unit itself becomes the whole experience and you just close it down and go back to your page, whereas in the web, traditional ad units have been to drive you somewhere Right, I mean, mobile does that too, but um, that's kind of you know one example. Where we are going and where things are going to change is is location. So there's going to be a lot of location opportunities, and a lot of other data is going to come out of um, you know retargeting from when we can you know see what someone has done recently and how they might you know want to be served different kinds of messages. Uh, those are you know a, a couple of the the things that will change over time. And then the last thing is social media. So you have, you know, all the Twitter and Facebook and all the other platforms, large volumes of them, uh, or majority of users are now using via mobile. So how and when do those organizations open up connections or APIs for like an ad, you know, business like media to interact with them, uh, sort of like Snack to interact with them, will change uh, the landscape as well. So the collision of social media on mobile and mobile advertising, I think, will redefine and create a, a whole new set of products as well that brands can work with. I think that's actually what Twitter's whole business model is going to be based on. It's going to be based on mobile advertising, and they have to invent whole new products, and not just them. They have to invent ways in which other companies can interact with their their offering to create new ad products as well. Yeah, I guess we've really got a you know we've got a growing range of tools available, haven't we, in this space? And uh, there's there's still, I think, you know, huge room for uh, you know creativity and, and innovation. And I, and I think you know we've got a lot of uh, you know great creative talent here in New Zealand. So you know there's plenty of opportunity to drive that, uh, which hopefully will flow onto some good business for Snack. Now, um, you know, this is your uh, I guess this is a sort of your second uh, well-known sort of startup that you're you're involved in. Um, getting venture capital funding here in New Zealand isn't really the the uh, easiest thing. There's a lot of you know people uh, that are working away on projects and trying to work out how they can get funded. Um, can you tell us why um, you know why Snack has taken this sort of NZAX um, uh, route and you know what you sort of see as the pros and cons for uh, uh, for this sort of you know approach enlisting on the NZX? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I think that since we started the Hyperfactory 12 years ago, 
one set of really great things has happened in, in that the angel and early stage company ecosystem exists. It doesn't, it didn't exist then. And now there are a lot of people that are fund, funding companies. There's a lot of entrepreneurs starting tech companies. There's incubators and everything. And so that area, if you had a good idea and a good team, it seems to me that you shouldn't have any problems getting funded. Um, you know, and that's talking about the first 250,000, first one or two million. Um, and that is fantastic to see. The now the gap is somewhere north of that um, for what you would n normally consider maybe an A round for venture capital, so th three to five million or, or, or even more. And we have a few funds that have started, and you know they're starting to make investments, but the, the, the breadth is not there. So if the fund isn't particularly interested in your model or what you're doing, then you're kind of out of luck. So um, that's you know just kind of a, a landscape point. But for Snack, I thought that. Where we are, which is kind of uh, in the middle, like, you know, we're post all the angel money and we're now uh, looking to raise, you know, several million dollars that would uh, take the business for another year or two years forward. Um, I thought that a cost-effective way to do that is to put it on the exchange in, in, a, in a small cap type environment and raise money from lots of shareholders that are interested in backing a story like this and getting in at that round, at that level that they normally would not be able to get into, which is this a series venture level so that was the notion and I think the success of Zero and Diligent have proven that there are no matter how small that market is of how many shareholders are behind that company or those companies there are now thousands of shareholders in New Zealand who understand what a tech or a media story looks like when it works and those two are obviously outstanding you know examples um, that gave me some confidence that if we tried this, that it might get supported. So, you know, I didn't do it thinking that it might just flop because that would be a worry. I just thought that the market gets it a little bit better than they used to. Um, so that's that. The, the pros and cons are you have to have your ducks all lined up in a row. Governance is important. So how you're, you know, how you're doing your financials and all that stuff. Because as a public company, everything changes in that space. So basically you have to have your house really tidy, which is not that normal for a startup but you know having gone through the experience with hyperfactory i understood how to tidy house and you know make everything in order and get audited accounts and all those kind of things that's one of the main things the second thing is you have to be really good at i think communicating so we're going to have to communicate our milestones etc because that is you know some of it's required by stock exchange rules and some of it's just good good practice so that means investing in that function which you normally wouldn't have if you're a startup you wouldn't have investment in you know well, investing in doing a really great job at investor relations. So, you know, those are the couple of things. The third thing is, of course, now you're in the public eye. If things go wrong, you know, you get you get the shit can. If, you know, if things go well, you know, you get the upside. So it's, it's very different in the fact that people are now watching and they can ask questions and, you know, if they don't like the answers, then they can choose to sell shares or, you know, whatever. So, but I'm, you know, I'm up for it. <laughs> well, it better be. We started. <laughs> That's great. Now, um, over what sort of, you know, how long would you expect it to sort of take before uh, before Snack sort of gets into a profitable, you know, situation and those that have sort of jumped in, you know, at a, at an early point can start seeing a return? I mean, we look at uh, Zero, for instance, uh, you know, they've grown, grown a, you know, a, a huge market cap uh, and, you know, they've decided, well, look, we're going to keep focusing on growing rather than, uh, rather than um, that earlier focus they talked about on on hitting uh, you know profitability within a couple of years, um, how's that picture likely to sort of pan out? Do you think? 
Yeah, we have a similar view. You know, we're a lot. You know, we're still a tiny company, right? But、um, the view is to get to scale and、uh, continue to grow.、Um, the and to do that, we need to invest. And so that's the current philosophy for the for the coming years.、Um, and as and when we do that, we will continue to look out further and think about when things might change.、Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's you know as as long as the market looks like it will continue to grow at hyper growth for X number of years ahead,、mm-hmm. I think the right strategy is to try and grow with it. Right, and、um, just as we sort of wrap up,、um, interested just to hear how it, how it is for you being you know primarily based in New York, having having this involvement with sort of、uh, snack from a distance. How do you how do you make that work? Is there sort of you know particular pieces of technology that enable that, or are we going to you know see you、uh, you know visiting here on a on a monthly basis to、uh, you know make sure things are、uh, are running well、uh, you know across、uh, New Zealand and Australia. Uh, there's no particular piece of technology, unless you're referring to Skype. But、um, I would love to find a replacement.、Uh, no, I'm just I come back a lot, and you know we talk a lot. And、um, you know I'm not the management team at Snack, right? I'm I'm, I'm chair of the board, and、uh, you know being present is going to be important. But you know I have pretty good faith in in, in the team. And I'm also involved in lots of other things in New Zealand that keep me coming back, and you know keep me really connected and. One of the reasons, you know, in addition to putting it on the exchange, was to build that connection even stronger to give me more reasons to come back to New Zealand and, you know, make sure that、um, that there are there are lots of things happening here with with the team. And so that's roughly how we'll, you know, how we'll be running it. But of course, with the capital that we look to raise soon, we'll be building out the team even further and, you know, making more appointments in New Zealand and Australia too. That's great. Well, thank you very much for、uh, for joining us on this first episode of the New Zealand Digital Podcast. Now, if people want to、uh, keep up to date with what you are doing, where can they track you down、uh, online and in the in the social media world? Well, if they want to keep up with what's going on on at Snack, they can go and have a look at snackmedia dot com, which is really the client facing side of things.、Uh, if they're interested in you know looking at it from an investment point of view, that you can get to that website, or you can go to. SNK.co.nz, which is the stock exchange code SNK.、Uh, myself, I'm on Twitter at, at DGH, and I'm just about to put a blog up, but it's not live yet. So just follow me on Twitter until it's up. <laughs> All right. Thanks for having me. Well, that's it. That was our very first episode of the New Zealand Digital Podcast. I'm Paul Spain. Thank you very much for joining us. You can, of course, find us online nzdigitalpodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at nzdig. Hey, thank you. We'll catch you on the next episode. See ya.